He always knew that we would need help. From the beginning, God called us to be together. He didn't want us to be alone. I'm pretty sure he didn't say, you know, do it within the church and stop. Iron sharpens iron. And I know when I'm serving with others, it makes me a better person. Me, myself, I may only be a finger to, God, to what God wants to do in this world. Everyone around you is your community. Everyone is the one body. My husband and I are teaching a class for young marrieds, and I'm learning from them as well. As a body of Christ and brothers and sisters, we can just work together. There's going to be impact within the community and then impact outside of the community. But when you have that community behind you, it's almost like you have an army of 5,000 right behind you and you got nothing stopping you. Hey, Cornerstone. Uh, it's cool to be back. Hey, just want to do a shout out to everybody at Santan. Just say, man, we're so thankful for you guys. I'm proud of what you guys are doing in that community there. And then I just want to thank the people who are sitting in overflow. I, I get it. That's, you know, that's a rough thing. And we, I think we all understand in the room, we're going to have to fix this pretty soon. We're going to have to figure out how to get some more seats in the place. But until we do, thank you guys for being troopers and being back there and being part of the service. We're just proud of you doing that. We're in a series right now. It's called Deep and Wide. And what we said to each other is simply this. Uh, we're not going to be one of those churches. Because my guess is all of us have seen, many of us experience churches that get out of balance on this conversation. And, and we've seen churches that are super good at winning their community. I mean, man, they're just bringing people in by the scores. But the problem is once they get them there, they're not doing much with them. So there's tons of people, they're just not growing very much. And so the church gets really, really wide, but it's about an inch deep in maturity. And we just said, look, we refuse to be that church. We are not gonna do that. We are gonna be fully committed to raising up and producing radical, fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. We refuse to be a mile wide and an inch deep. But we also refuse to take the other mistake. We are not going to be some holy huddle of Christians. We're not going to turtle down and go, look, 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 this whole Bible thing, and this is all about us, and we're just going to have our own little Christian club here. And then our community goes unreached and unaffected and unchanged, even though they have the body of Christ in the midst of them. And so we said, look, we're, we, we refuse to be deep and not change our community. We're going to be, ready, both deep, we're going to grow in maturity, we're going to be fully devoted followers of Christ, but we are going to change this community for Jesus Christ. We're going to win as many people as we can win, we're going to bring as many people as we can bring, and invite them to this conversation. We're going to be both deep and wide. And we've been talking for the last few weeks about what would it take to be that type of church? What are the values? What are the things we would have to make important in the room if we were going to be both deep and wide? And today we're going to talk about this idea of living life in community, living life together, letting our lives intertwine enough, letting our lives get just a little bit messy because we're not doing this by ourselves. We're doing this thing of following Jesus in concert, in community with other believers, which means sometimes it's a little rough and sometimes we get pushed back on and sometimes it's uncomfortable, but believing that we are always better when we do life together. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible, is it possible to attend church and never actually be the church? 
Let me just ask that again. Is it possible to attend church and never actually be the church? See, here's what I think happens awful lot, especially in American Christianity. I think we somehow get the idea that coming and sitting in this room is church. That, that church is just about sitting through a real, hopefully a good sermon. It's about receiving valuable information in our lives, and then we go on. But guys, 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 is the church really supposed to just be a Bible institute? I mean, if that's it, why are you even here? Why aren't we just watching online? Why don't you just go find the best speaker giving the best sermon? Why not do this on the internet? If, you, if, if all this is is about disseminating good information about life, if we're just a Bible institute, then what are we doing here? And here's what you need to know, and I think, I think Tim kind of hit on it last week. What you and I do in this room is critically valuable, but this is the huddle. This is where you and I are coming to learn how to be the church. This isn't church. The church is what happens when you and I do life together, when you and I go after Jesus Christ, follow Him in the context of other believers and allowing them to push in and say, hey, wait a minute, that wasn't the best moment of your life. Allow, allowing them to say, hey, wait a minute, could you show me how to do that because you figured that out and I haven't figured that out. That when you and I do life in community, when you and I follow this Jesus together in that moment, we are the church. And guys, I'm just going to tell you that this is critical because we live in a time right now where the church is flooded with what I call Lone Ranger Christians. People who think, hey, you know what? I can do this by myself. I don't need anybody else. Just give me the pertinent information. I'll go out. I'll make, I'm strong enough. I'm good enough. I can, I can do this all alone. I'm the Lone Ranger Christian. But can, can I remind you for a second? Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And I'm telling you that the way God wired us as humans, the way that God made us, this thing of community is not just a gift. It is essential to you being a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ. And you cannot get where you need to get alone. You and I need, and, and, and let's just imagine for a second. Maybe you, maybe you go, Lynn, I'm just so strong. I'm so far in my walk with Jesus. I am like mega Christian. I don't need any other Christian. If you are really that strong and you don't need any of the rest of us, how dare you not live in community? Because here's the deal. We all need you then to help us. And guys, I'm just telling you this idea of community is essential to ever being a successful, vibrant Christian. It is not an option. Matter of fact, uh, grab your Bibles this morning because I think there's some passages that just absolutely make this uh, crystal clear for you and me. You don't have to go to this first one. I'll just read this first one for you. It's Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Here's what it says about the church, about doing life in community. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, let us not give up meeting together doing life together, pushing into each other, pointing out to one another, encouraging one another. Let us not give up this meeting together as some have been in the habit of doing, 
But instead, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. It's unfortunate that this passage starts with the words, let us, because I think it gives you and me the impression that maybe this is optional, that maybe this is simply a good suggestion in Scripture. And although that translation is accurate, here's, here's what's missing. On the end of Greek verbs, there are endings which tell you the voice the word was written in. And the voice that this passage is written is, is imperative. It's saying, look, 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 don't you dare give up meeting together. Don't even think about it for a second. Not meeting, not doing life together. Guys, I, men, I can help you with this, okay? The, the tone of voice this passage is written in is the same tone of voice you have when your 15-year-old daughter comes to you and says, hey, can I go to Rocky Point this weekend with my friends? <laughs> no. And you understand, and so did your daughter, that no was we are not having a discussion about this. You can appeal all you want, the answer will be the same. No. And in this passage it says, don't you dare, don't even think about giving up or forsaking meeting together, living your lives together, pushing in with other Christians. Because, because, because you and I are always better when we live our lives in Christian community. It's not optional. It's essential if you and I are truly going to follow Jesus. I, I, think, I think the Bible gives us a hint about why this is so critical in our lives and why you and I cannot opt out. And so grab your Bibles. We will ask you to go this time. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you're not really familiar with your Bible, if you just go right to the middle, you're probably going to find the book of Psalms. You're going to go just a little bit to the right. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is written by the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth, a guy by the name of Solomon. And he's about to tell you and I why you and I are better together than we could ever be on our own. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. Here's what Solomon says. Two, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. He's saying, look, 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 two together get more accomplished. Two together go further than one by themselves. If you've been watching the Olympics, you watch over and over again, skiers and skaters who drafted off of each other because they were better together than if they skated alone. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of, ready? A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And you get these just simply saying this, you are always better when you do life in community, when we do life together. We were never built to follow Jesus solo. It's the very essence of the church. Let me give you a couple ideas why I think this is so critical, what I think Scripture's trying to help us understand and get to. So here we go. Reason number one why I think community is so critical for you and me and why the Bible just simply demands that you and I live our Christian lives in community, and it's simply this. You ready? Every one of us, 
Every one of us has a favorite sin. You do. I do. We've all got a favorite sin. And look, I, I don't know what your favorite sin is. I simply know you have one. See, some of us in this room, our favorite sin is pride. We, every room we walk into, even before we get there, we're pretty sure we're the smartest one. <laughs> Haven't even met the other people yet, but we're smarter than them. Some of us, some of us have been bitten by the green-eyed bug of jealousy, and we spend our lives looking at what everybody else has and wondering why we don't have it. And it's just, it's almost intuitive. I mean, the moment one of our friends gets something, the moment our neighbor buys something new, and we just go, well, how come them? It's your favorite sin. Some of us, our favorite sin is lust. And you just find yourself constantly kind of drifting that direction, just kind of always attracted that way. It's the easiest place for you to go. You can actually get there sometimes and not even realize you got there until it's too late. Some of us, our favorite sin is bitterness. And you go, oh, Lynn, my, what do you mean, bitterness? No, 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 your favorite sin is bitterness. Here's how I know. Because if I suggested to you that you forgive that person who hurts you so deeply, you'd go, no, 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 you don't understand. Yeah, I do. Your favorite sin is being bitter. You enjoy, there's a part of you, whether you can acknowledge it or not, there's a part of you that enjoys hating their guts. It's your favorite sin. And guys, look, 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 look. I don't know what your favorite sin is. I simply know you have one. And here's what you, here's what you gotta understand in the moment. That sin, that sin that you and I intuitively go to, that sin that we naturally kind of fall into without even, that sin is your ladder into hell. That is the sin that will ultimately end up destroying your marriage. That's, that's, the, that's the sin that if you don't figure out how to get in front of, ultimately your kids are gonna go, you know, you really are a hypocrite, Dad. You realize, Mom, everything you say just falls on deaf ears because I've seen your anger. I've seen the way you hate. I've heard you gossip. And Mom, you're just the biggest hypocrite I know. See, it's this sin that will one day sabotage your integrity. I'm just telling you, this is the sin. This is the sin that will eventually, if you and I aren't careful, if you and I don't acknowledge it, that will eventually derail your life. It's our favorite sin. And this is where community comes in so big, because here's the deal. Because we have different favorite sins, when you and I live in community and suddenly I am deeply tempted to respond to somebody with a harsh word or I'm tempted in lust, if I'm living in community, I've got friends around me and their favorite sin is different than mine. So in that same moment, they're not feeling the same temptation. And so now I'm sitting with a group of friends and there's something about me that just wants to say something really horrible about so-and-so who didn't make it to the group and I'm getting ready to go into my favorite sin of gossip and I start down that, all of a sudden my friend who doesn't struggle with gossip goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And suddenly because in my moment of weakness they weren't tempted the same way, their presence makes me stronger. It's the wonder of community. Let me see if I can illustrate this for a minute. Okay, so I need, I, I need uh, somebody who's pretty buff, pretty strong, pretty strong guy. All right, come on up, pretty strong. 
You notice he just, he just raised it. He was like, yeah, that, that's me. So before you came to church, so you were like, in the mirror. Okay, all right, all right, so come on up. All right, Mr. Buff. Okay, here we go. What's your name, Mr. Buff? Hunter. Huh? Hunter. Hunter. Okay, so Hunter's huge, man. Hunter, Hunter's the man. All right. Can, can you do a little flex in there, Hunter, for me? Look at that. So here's Hunter. All right, so now I need, I need a small female. I need a petite female. Come on, I need a petite. Come on, right there. Come on. All right, petite female. So I've got Hunter, and what's your name? Peyton. All right, Peyton. Okay, so here's the deal. All right, so here's Peyton. Okay, so here's what you need to know, Hunter. My money, my money's on Peyton. I think Peyton is going to show up being stronger than you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a uh, weightlifting contest. Okay. And in just a moment, I'm going to say to you, okay, ready? One, two, three, go. And when I say that, all I need you to do is hold these weights out straight to your side. Okay. For as long as you can. Now, here's the deal, Hunter, because I already told you who I'm rooting for. I'm going to let you pick the weights. You decide which ones you want so that you know I'm not, like, rigging the contest. Okay. All right, there you go. All right. So, Peyton, those are yours. Okay. All right. So, here's what I'm going to do. In a minute, uh, I'm going to say one, two, three. You're going to lift the weights. Now, here's the difference. Hunter thinks he's a pretty strong guy. Hunter doesn't think he needs the church. Hunter doesn't need to live his life in community because he's a strong enough follower of Jesus. He's going to get done on his own. He's a lone ranger. Okay? Peyton is smarter than that. Peyton believes in the community of the church and doing life together. It's why I think she's going to win. Okay? All right. So here we go. Ready? One, two, three, go. Okay. So you realize here's what happens. When you're in my favorite sin creeps into the picture, we're, keep, keep, come, come, come. It's like you feel the weight. You feel the pressure coming in your life. And, and in that moment, then you think, you're, well, I'm strong enough. I can, I can do this, okay? Especially if you're a hunter, okay? But here's the deal. Peyton is smarter than that. Peyton knows if she tries to do this all alone, she's going to be in trouble. Peyton believes in the church. She believes in doing her life in community. So Peyton lives her life with friends. So I need two friends for Peyton right now. Come on, two, right now. Come, come on, hurry. Peyton's struggling. She's struggling in her Christian walk. Peyton's got three friends. Come on, three friends. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to put this right here on your shoulder. There you go. We're going to put this on your shoulder. Come back here. Come back here. Oh, we got four friends. All right. So hold her elbows. Come on right here. Hold her elbows. No, no, not her. Shame on me. All right. Hey, come on, Hunter. Come on, Hunter. Okay. So, so let me ask you, how hard is this for you? It's not hard at all. Come on, Hunter. And you get the moment. Because you and I have favorite sins, and when you and I try to live those moments solo, and because that's our favorite sin, you and I will always get beat. But Did I tell you to put it down? No, come on. No, pick it back up. You're ruining my illustration. All right. But when you and I live in community, because wait, wait, wait for this, because that's not his favorite sin. He has no problem standing in the gap in that moment for Peyton. 
And suddenly, because she lives her life in community, she's stronger than the strongest one of us living solo. It's a big deal. And it's why scripture says community is so critical for us. Okay, let's give him a hand. Thank you, dude, man. Thank you for doing that. I'm a sophomore in Bible college. I'm working at a freight dock in the evenings to earn money uh, for school and for living. My roommate works at the same freight dock with me, and we're driving home probably about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning after one of our shifts at work. And as we're driving along, there's a Jeep with the top down in front of us. And uh, I turn to my friend Dave, and I go, Dave, I don't think those girls in that Jeep have shirts on. He goes, no. I said, no, 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 I'm pretty sure the top on the Jeep is not the only thing that's down. <laughs> so Dave pulls up alongside. Sure enough, two girls. No, and I'm just going to tell you, look, even though as a young man I had lived my life with purity, when we pulled up along that side, that Jeep, I'm thinking, opportunity. In that moment, my friend David pushes on the accelerator. I'm pretty sure that's the first time that two 19-year-old guys ran away from naked women. I'm just, and while he's doing it, I'm going, Dave, what are you doing, man? There's an opportunity back there. He said, no, there's not. I've thought back to that moment a bunch of times and just wondered, if I hadn't had my friend Dave with me, I wonder how much regret I would have produced that night. See, I'm, I'm just saying, you and I are stronger when we live our lives in community. So let me ask you a question. What's your favorite sin? Have you even figured it out? Do you even know what it is? What's your favorite sin? And are you living in community with people who know where you struggle, know the rut you would go into, and are committed to being there in those moments to make you stronger? And if you're not, think about this. How much stronger would you and I be if we were living our lives in community? It's a big deal. Number two, I think Scripture says, look, this is not optional. It's a big deal. you got to do this stuff because, because you ready? Because we're better in community because every one of us in this room has a blind spot. Every one of us has a part of our character and a part of our lives that we just don't see very easily. It's like kind of trying to see your back when you're trying to wash it. There's just, there's just areas of your Christian life that I'm telling you, you don't see the damage you're doing. You don't get that those words are that hurtful. You don't get that you spent more time being right than you did being graceful. You don't get the damage that you just did. You don't get that you gave grace when you should have been honest. It's a blind spot. 
And if somebody doesn't love you enough and care enough to point out the blind, to help you in that blind spot, you may never figure it out. You'll be going through your Christian walk going, I don't get why I keep struggling. I don't get why I'm not further than I am right now. I don't get why people don't want to be with me. I don't get why my family is struggling. Because you have a blind spot. And you repeatedly and repetitively keep going back and living in that unfortunate moment of your life. And the people around you are paying for your blind spot. Matter of fact, uh, grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Proverbs, and if you're still open to Ecclesiastes, it's just going to be a little bit back to the left. If you closed your Bibles, shame on, I mean, no, no, I mean, if you closed your Bibles, uh, go to the middle, you'll be at Psalms again, one book to the right, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 27. And the reality is, guys, that you and I, without the help of someone, without living in community, will probably never know and never truly acknowledge our blind spot. So that we can work out. Here's what Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 says. Better, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better that someone say to you the really, really, really hard thing. Better that someone comes and says, man, that was not a well-lived moment. Do you realize how deeply you just hurt that person? Do you realize you were not helpful at all because you covered it over and you didn't speak the truth. Do you understand that you have a blind spot of pride in your life? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. An enemy tells you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. And guys, 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 I think we are too busy being nice in our friendships instead of actually being friends in our friendships. I, I think we're too busy saying, no, 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 I, I, I know they wouldn't want to hear that. I know they wouldn't want to deal with it. I couldn't say that to them. That would make them mad. I might lose a friend if I told them about their blind spot. And I think you and I are too busy being nice to actually be good friends. Because if I really love you, if I really care about you, then I care about your walk with Jesus Christ even more than I care about whether or not you like me anymore. And if I know that there's a blind spot in your life, I'm going to look for an opportunity. I'm not actually going to beat you up, and I'm not going to, I'm going to look for an opportunity, a vulnerable moment in your life, an open moment of your life to say to you, hey, I just, because I love you, I need to speak this into you. You have a blind spot, and it's keeping you from being the Christian you ought to be. It's keeping you from serving how you ought to serve. I'm a youth pastor. I, uh, I had just gotten to First Baptist Church in Yakaipa. Youth group was pretty decimated, pretty messed up, but there were a couple pretty good staff people, and in the volunteer staff, there was one guy who was head and shoulders. I mean, he was probably one of the best youth workers I'd ever seen. His name was John. And as we began to rebuild that team, as we began to kind of take that youth group forward, man, John was, he was pivotal in us going forward. One day, John just up and quit. And I went to, I said, John, you know, what's going on? Why are you quitting? He goes, well, you know, I, I have other things, you know, I've got other places. I, I'm going, John, you're, you're changing so many. How can you, no, 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 you need, he goes, no, no, I'm, I've prayed, I'm pretty sure. 
And so I got done with my meeting with John, and he'd resigned from working with our teams, and I was aching out of my mind and sad. I, I just knew that John was going to be such a huge part of the future. I went to my supervisor, went to my friend, and I said, hey, I, I just need to tell you, John just quit. And I said, I, I've done everything I can to recover it. I, he, he's just set. He's, he's not going to work with the youth anymore. And my friend went to John and said, John, hey, what's really up? And John disclosed to my friend. He said, you know, I know that Lynn appreciates me. I mean, I know that he thinks I'm helpful, and I know he, you know, values what I do with the kids. I'm just not sure Lynn likes me. I'm not sure that he actually cares about me as a person. So my friend came back, and he said, Lynn, I, you know, I just, I just need to share this with you. This, this, is at the, this is why John is quitting. He, he knows you appreciate him. You've told him what a great job he's doing. He knows all that. He's just not sure you appreciate him as a person, that you care about him as a person. And I said, oh, no, 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 that's wrong. No, that's wrong. You know what my friend said to me? He's right. He's right. And Lynn, you do. You tell him how good he is, and you tell him how good a great job he's doing. But let's just be honest, Lynn, you've never really invested in his life as a friend. And Lynn, the reality is this is a blind spot in your life. This is, you end up putting people in a lot of places and allowing them to serve, and they feel like you're using them to put the ministry forward, but not that you necessarily care about them as people. Can I tell you, I, I left the meeting, and I, I, was, I was pretty sure my friend was wrong. I, I was pretty sure they, he, he had misread the moment, and John was overreacting. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit dealt with my life for weeks and weeks after that. And I began to realize that my friend had been a great friend and told me about a blind spot in my life. And I, I'm just going to tell you today, I, I wish I could tell you I was perfect at this part of my life, and I, I'm not. But boy, I'm a lot better. And I'm a lot further along in Christ because my friend loved me enough to tell me about my blind spot and to tell me the truth about my life. And I'm just going to tell you you're better together. So let me ask you, do you, have, do you have three people in your life who can say anything that you need to hear, who can tell you the hard stuff, who can give you the wound of a friend and identify your blind spot? And if, you, if you're having a hard time right now of thinking of three names, then I'm just going to say, you're not living in enough community yet. And how much more Christ-like would you be if there were people in your life, your wife or your husband or, or people you're doing small group Bible study with or small church, who could speak into your life and say, hey, let, let me just tell you what I've seen and let me tell you something you probably don't even know about your… How much more would you be like Jesus today if you were living in community? Third thing. The reason it is so essential that you and I live in community, that we're only the church when we live in community is this. There are people who know what you need to know. There are people who have already done what you need to do. See, here's the deal. 
You're trying to raise great kids. You realize there's, there's people who've already raised great kids. So you're, you're trying to figure out how to navigate a horrible boss who's just a jerk. And how do I respond to that as a great? You realize there's people who've already navigated a horrible boss. You've got a child in rebellion. And you're going, how, what do you do? how do you win the heart of a kid like this? You realize there are parents who've won the heart of a kid like that. You're going through the darkest moment of your life and someone in your family is ill and it just all the things the doctors are saying are wrong. How do you do that when life just looks that? How do you live faithfully? And you realize there's people who've already lived that moment of life faithfully. There are people who've already done what you're trying to do. Here's this crazy thing. Our society is so messed up. We set up as our heroes people because they have a certain talent. And suddenly, because they happen to be really good at one thing, we decide they can tell us how to live our lives. But let me just tell you something. Lady Gaga does not have any pertinent advice for you. I'm just saying. <laughs> Justin Bieber does not need to be a reference point for you, unless, unless you're trying to figure out how to sing. At that point, it might be valid. But guys, more importantly is figuring out what is it that I want to be true about my life. I want to be a great husband. Well, if you want to be a great husband, find guys who've already become great husbands and live in community and say, how do you do this when your wife's saying that and act? How do you do this? You want to be an amazing parent? Then live your life in community with people who've already parented where you want to go. It's the power of community. It gets us further, faster. I'm a young man. I'm about 20, 21. I'm an intern at a church, and they send me away uh, for a week to go backpacking with the singles group. And uh, we're, we're out. I mean, this is crazy. This is Colorado. We've got 80-pound backpacks on our back. We're up hopping back and forth on the Continental Divide, which means we're, we're going between altitudes of about 10 to 11,000 to 14,000 back and forth. Pilots turn on their oxygen at 12,000. So we're spending this entire week taking about three steps, then going, <sighs> and then you take about three more steps. I mean, it's just backbreaking, rip your lungs out work. We get to the third day, it's a rest day. So on the rest day, I'm planning to rest. Somebody, somebody comes up with the absolutely dumb idea. Let's go climb the 14,000 foot peak right over there. So they recruit our guide. Did I mention that our guide was legally blind? Did I mention that at all? So they recruit our guide, Frank, who's got these thick black legally blind glasses on and about eight other people in our group to go climb the mountain. Now here's the problem. Not only was our legally blind guide going up the mountain. There were girls going up the mountain. Now, I'm a 21-year-old male. My ego can't live with that, and so I must go up the mountain and be there first. So, on our rest day, I joined the trip up the mountain. Our legally blind guide uh, takes us up on terrain that just gets steeper and steeper and steeper and steeper, and pretty soon we're climbing the face of the mountain. I mean, this is slick, straight up. I mean, you need rock climbing gear if you're going to do this. And we're in our tennis shoes with our little fingers hanging over the edge going, Wah! 
And we come to a moment where we realize that the only thing left is falling off the mountain. There is no way we're going up. And the only option is to go back down. But here's the deal. If you've ever done any sort of rock climbing or climbing, going down is scarier than going up. And so now we're stuck on the side of the mountain. People begin to weep. I want you to know, I was a 21-year-old man. I did not weep on the outside. You know how we got off that mountain? We said to the person who was lowest on the mountain. So you got a picture. We're, we're in this line of people. We said to the person lowest on the mountain, you are already where we want to go. You are lower on the mountain. So here's what we need you to do. We need you to reach up and grab the ankle of the person above you because they can't see where to put their foot. And you need to take their foot and guide it down to any little nub on the mountain where they could place their foot. And then you grab the and you place it down. Eleven of us came down the mountain with the person below us, the person who was already where we wanted to be, placing our feet. Guys, there are people in the church who are already where you want to be. And if you were living in community with them, they could guide you right through that teenage rebellion. They, they could help you with that boss at work. <laughs> Your marriage would get so much simpler if you were living in community. Let me just ask, is there anybody in your life who's ahead of you and you have so positioned yourself to live alongside and live in community with them that they're helping to place your feet, that they're helping you? Because here's the deal, guys. If you and I were living in community with people who'd already gone where we wanted to go, how much further would you be in your Christian walk? How much better would your marriage be? How much, how much better would your kids' relationship with you be right now if you were living in community with somebody who'd already done what you want to do? I've got a real quick video. I just want to show you real fast. I, it, I think it just absolutely illustrates the power of living in community. So here's what I'm going to tell you. It's a little bit scary, okay? So if, if, you, if scary bothers you, you know, you can do that. Uh, but it, I think it's just a super powerful video illustrating living in community. So here it is. It's called The Battle at Kruger. <clears throat> These are water buffalo. They're just out for a nice little stroll, going to find some grass. What they don't realize, they're walking right toward lions. Buffalo. It's a huge buffalo. They're crouching. They're going to figure this out in a minute here. Oh, Nelly. Now watch, the lions will go after the smallest buffalo they can find. Watch this. There they go, there they go. Whoa. You watch, there's going to be like seven lions before it's all said and done on this buffalo. 
was on shift. I can't even believe this. Yeah, the buffer are coming to help this one now. Watch. Well, come and help this baby. Watch. Can they help him now, Frank? Okay, now keep watching because as if the lions weren't enough, a crocodile comes. Okay, so keep watching. Here comes Mr. Croc. Okay, so the lions get the buffalo, they win with the croc. Now, now watch here because there is an amazing moment getting ready to happen. How cool is that? Can't okay, watch this because one of them is about ready to nail. He swatted at him and kicked at him. He's kicking at him. Look, he's kicking at him. Can okay, I watch this next shot? This next shot's really great. Ooh, they got him surrounded. Okay, now, now watch real closely because the baby water buffalo is trying to stand up. So watch, watch him. Yeah, it's trying to get away. It's standing up. Okay, watch, look, 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 look. He gets away. How cool is that? Okay, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that baby water buffalo believes in living his life in community. <laughs> Just saying. And so should you and me. 
And so I'm just, I'm just asking today. Isn't it time you join the herd? And guys, look, 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 you hear us all the time talking about, hey, will you join a small group? Will you go over here and serve? Would you go be part of us? We're not doing that to fill up a room. We're inviting you to community. We're inviting you to venues in which your lives intertwine with other Christians. Because, because, because you and I are better together. We're the church when we do life together. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, we, we just have to admit our pride and our arrogance that we have for so long just thought that we could navigate this walk by ourselves, that we were strong enough and brave enough and, and, and we could just be Lone Ranger Christians. And God, you, you didn't even build us that way. That's, that's just not even how we're wired. We are always better as part of the herd. We're always better together. We're stronger. We're more like Jesus Christ. We grow at a better rate when we do life in community. It's the church at its very, very best. And God, I'm just going to ask that all over this room, that, that Lone Ranger Christians would take off their mask today that Lone Ranger Christians would say, look, I, I need to find a place of belonging and of doing life in community because there's going to be a moment I'm going to need other Christians. And there's going to be a moment when other Christians are going to need me. It's the church. And we're always better together. So God, move us today. Change us today. Involve us today. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen.